Father, we come to you. We come to you humbly. Not demanding, but we come in anticipation. We come in expectation that, Lord, that you will meet us. You'll meet us right where we're at. And Lord, we need to hear from you. We need a touch from you. Lord, we need to understand your word, the importance of your word. And Lord, the balance of your word. So Lord, we ask that you would speak through your spirit today to each and every heart. And all God's people said, Amen. Look with me in Ephesians chapter 6 in your text, in your Bibles, and let's read our whole text together first. Ephesians 6, verse 18 starts, With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. And pray on my behalf that the utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth, and to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak, but that you also may know about the circumstances and how I am doing, Tychicus, and my beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord will make everything known to you. And I have sent him to you for this very purpose, so that you may know about us and that he may comfort your hearts. Peace be to the brethren in love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all of those who love the Lord Jesus Christ and with an incorruptible love. Amen. Amen. Prayer is not mentioned in armor. If you remember the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at that spiritual armor. And there are three thoughts, or one thought that stands out three times. Stand firm in the faith. We're not to be out chasing the devil. We did see, again, the importance of standing firm, holding that shield of faith. God has given you everything that you need for life and godliness. And we're going to examine those things today. And it's really appropriating what is already given to you in Christ Jesus. Sometimes we're praying for, wanting something that's already been given to you in Christ Jesus. Now, while prayer isn't mentioned, again, as I mentioned, in that armor, but in reality is the atmosphere in which a soldier must live and breathe. There are daily struggles for every person in the body of Christ, whether they say anything or not. There is a battle raging. There's a battle going on against the forces of evil. And the thing that we need to do is is avoid these things by recognizing who we are in Christ. And again, what we've already received. Because the enemy is like a roaring lion looking for whom he may devour. Let me ask you a question. Anybody want to be lunch today for the devil? 
But you know, sometimes if we're not praying, that's what we're doing. We're just opening the doors. Here I am, come feast on me. Here, come wreck my marriage. Come wreck my job, my relationship. And we're going to see that importance of prayer. Prayer is to be continued, not sporadic. It's a lifestyle. It's not an isolated act. Jesus urged his disciples to pray always and, and not lose heart. Why? Because he knows the battle rages on. And it's so easy for us as soldiers. Every one of us are soldiers in Christ. And we become tired. Weak. Discouraged. Very easily. And that's when the enemy attacks. He's looking for that opportune time to get a foot in the door. Paul's final admonition to the believers is pray at all times. All times. And that becomes a very difficult thought for most of us the first time we read it. Well, what do you mean all time? How can I pray all the time? But when we look back at Jesus' death, when we look at his resurrection, we understand when Jesus was teaching the disciples and he taught them, I am the way, the truth, the life. There's no way the Father except for through me. And through Jesus and because of the cross, we can approach boldly that throne of grace with confidence. Ensure that he will receive, that we will receive mercy and find grace in a time of need, a time that you need help. Prayer is a privilege. But most of us may be guilty of not praying. We can pray when maybe something happens to a child, maybe to a loved one. We pray like we've never prayed. We pray passionately, fervently, nonstop. We pray for those physical needs. We pray for those financial needs. But the greatest need is our spiritual walk. Our heart open to Him. Surrendered to Him. Say, Lord, have Your way in my heart. Not my will, but Yours, Lord. Ephesians 1.3 when we started, it said, Blessed be the God, the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. And notice it's in Christ. In Christ. Sometimes we want that blessing in the bank book. Sometimes we want that blessing here or there. Our blessings, they're spiritual blessings, and they are numerous, incountable. They're in Christ. They are blessings that will never be taken away from you. There, for all eternity, it's exceedingly abundantly more than you and I could ever imagine. Well, he then proceeds in Ephesians, and I'm going to reflect just upon this book for a second because we need to really see what we've seen in this book, what we've learned, because it's much easier to go to that boldly to that throne of grace. He proceeded to tell you and me that we were chosen, predestined, adopted as God's 
children. We're put into a family lavished with his grace, redeemed and forgiven. He's given us the mystery of his will. Unless he'd reveal it, you and I would never, ever know it. We're receivers of inheritance. And and I don't think we fully understand that. We can plug in little things here and there. But again, we have an inheritance. That inheritance, I'm going to say, the best part of it is in Christ. And it's all eternity. And it's knowing him. We're sealed with the Holy Spirit until that day. We're kept by his power. We're greatly loved by God. We're his workmanship in Christ. God's given us his own peace, not as the world, but a peace that passeth all understanding. When you don't have that peace that passeth understanding, you're not coming to the throne of grace. You're not waiting upon him. You're not sitting at his feet. And the anxiety is raging. And while every one of us here will have those moments and struggles, he's wanting to bring you to himself. Like a little child, when they get hurt, they they love to run up to their mom, they're crying, and then they just nestle themselves in the arms of a mom and dad. and, And they go from sobbing to and then just a peace he wants us to rest in him and no longer strive on our own we're made one in Christ and made one with every other believer our sister who has come we're one with her we have the same God that we serve that is Christ Jesus We're made citizens of the the kingdom of God, members of his own family, being built up into a, a holy temple, a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. That's incredible. The Holy Spirit indwells you and me, wants to lead you and me and guide me and and we're sealed by him, and yet we can grieve his spirit. But he never leaves us. And he never forsakes us. We're given a boundless, confident access to God 24 hours a day. That's not true of anyone else in this life. No matter what is going on, no matter what time it is, he is there and he inclines his ear to hear from you. He's given us, as we saw in Ephesians chapter 4, he's given gifted leaders and and equip every one of us to do the work of the ministry. All of us are those servants to use those gifts that he's given us. We're taught by Jesus Christ. We're taught by his spirit. We're given a, a new self. And, and it's, it's being created in, in a God holiness or God likeness. And one day that work will be finished and completed in you and me. We have been made children of light. And we're able to walk in that fullness of spirit. He's given us instructions how to work through this relationship and that relationship. And, and yet relationships are fractured. And that's really 
our doing, not his doing, when he's provided what we need. He's given us his own armor, God's armor, invincible. Satan cannot do anything unless God would allow it. The demonic forces have no control over you unless you surrender control to them. God will allow from time to time when we become arrogant, when we become self-righteous, when we become confident in our own flesh, as if all of these things, I've really got it. God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. See, when we've been given God's armor, we've been given all these different things, recognizing what is already given, what is the wealth that is in Christ Jesus, something happens to us. So many Christians, we become puffed up because we have this great knowledge. And knowledge so often does puff up, doesn't it? But we're given 1 Corinthians 10, 12. Notice what it says on the screen. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. I've known so many that are so confident in themselves in ministry, serving and glorifying God one day and the next day they're out of ministry. Because they begin to think it's him. God is wanting to live in you and through me and empower you and cleanse you and wash you. He's wanting you to experience his love for, for the people in the, in the body of Christ as well as this community. But the choice is yours or yours. Sadly, in light of all these incredible, when you stop and think about it, wonderful privileges we become so confident of ourselves and lose that essential dependence or that thought of it, that knowledge of that essential dependence upon God himself. I need him every hour. Sometimes God allows us to be subjected to physical situations, sometimes emotional situations, that these things he uses to buffet us, that we would return to that dependence upon him, not upon ourselves. Because he loves us so much, the scripture tells us, he disciplines those he loves, wanting to bring us close. Of course, you know all these things. And like football player, an illustration I read that I, I thought was fitting for it, he says each time his team loses a game, a well-known professional football coach tells, tells the players in the locker room afterwards, gentlemen, I told you how to win. You didn't do what I told you to do and you lost. Just like an athlete, a Christian, can have great skills, the best training, the best equipment, a good understanding of what he's supposed to do and yet fail because he does not follow the instructions. If a football player does poorly when he fails to follow a coach, how much worse does a Christian fare when he refuses to follow 
the Lord. Paul writes in verse 18, notice, we see general instructions for this prayer. He's going to teach us about prayer today. It's not exhaustive on prayer, but but what I want to do is is share something very important. Again, God's armor, it's neither mechanical or magical. Prayer is an essential part in living the life that Christ has called us to. Look at verse 18 with me again. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view... Be on alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Do you notice there in verse 18 in your text, the word all is used four times. It stresses five points, five divisions in our text here, and that are really aspects of prayer. Prayer is just simply talking to God, communicating to God. It's waiting, listening. Sometimes more listening sometimes than actually speaking. Though it involves dialogue, it's, it's not me just talking or you just talking to God and say, okay, I'm done and out of there. It's then waiting for a response to hear what he has to say and to give you further instruction. And when we see these things, it's broken down in the text there, are different aspects of prayer. Not kinds of prayer, aspects of prayer. Because when we pray, we're all praying to God, the true and loving God, the one that died for you and me upon the cross. There's only two in our text that are mentioned here. And we'll look at those more in detail in a second. But we're going to see the frequency of prayer, the power of prayer, the manner of prayer, and the objects of prayer. Well, let's look at the aspect, the aspect of, of prayer. The Bible has no less than seven different Greek words that are used for prayer. The common ones that you and I are familiar with are intercessions and supplications and requests and, and, and giving of thanks. But remember, these are not just different kinds. You just don't pray one kind of prayer. You could, but when you're praying, it's really all about Jesus first. Prayer, really, if you look at the Lord's Prayer, is always exalting, lifting up His name, seeing the greatness of God. And the very last thing is really me at the very end. Because when I see Him in all of His greatness, nothing in my life, anything that I might ever request, is too insignificant, too big for God. And He's wanting to hear from you and me. Now, the word prayer refers just to basic general requests. I don't know if you make a a bullet list of prayer, and I've done that at times, and times I don't. Sometimes I just spontaneously pray, and and we're going to talk about spontaneous prayer for a second, but but the idea is that, that we just go to Him. We go to Him, we see Him in His glory, and we just, Lord, we praise You. Lord, You're amazing. We magnify Him. That's all prayer. We're talking to him. You know a wonderful place to talk to the Lord? The word petition just means very specific things in our life that we want to lay before him. And you know, God wants us to be specific, not just always general, 
He cares about every little detail in your life. Everything is important. As a mom, as a dad, a grandma, a grandpa, you know the grandkids, your kids, everything that happens to them is important. How much more our Heavenly Father in heaven? You can just sit and tell them what the day was like. Or you can end the day with, Lord, how did I do this day? Did you see your face in me? Did you hear your voice through me today? In the Bible, there again, they, they sometimes talk about different kinds of prayers, but I, I'm going to encourage you to think about it more of aspects, different parts of the, of the prayer. But when we do see the Bible, we see people pray publicly and privately and loud cries and soft whispers and silently and deliberately and planned and spontaneously sitting and standing and kneeling, even lying down. I do that one at home, in church, while working and traveling. Hands folded, hands unfolded. Eyes open and closed and head bowed and looking to the heavens. There were times when Israel was walking with the Lord, being led by God. And I love it, when they prayed, they lifted their hands to the heavens in expectation. They looked with open eyes to God to answer those prayers. In America, sometimes that seems kind of weird. But they knew where their Lord was. And they knew that He was watching over. And they wanted to see Him. Fact is, God's people just pray. 1 Timothy 2a, look on the screen. Therefore, I want men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissension. Now, the idea is not just on lifting the hands, but it's speaking about holiness, that our hands should be holy, lifting up, that's the key, holy and righteous and in unity. That's something that we don't think about sometimes. That we need to pray together in harmony. And when we pray and we are in agreement, God answers those things when it's according to his will. We see that day in and day out. The Jewish people, they often prayed at certain hours and certain times were prescribed. But for you and me, we have that freedom that we can pray spontaneously any time of day, 24 hours a day, any position. When we're unhappy about something, when we're happy about something, when we see a need or we hear a sound, a siren, we can pray. We boldly go to the throne of grace and he hears and he desires to hear. In fact, Luke 21, 36 says this, but keep on alert at all times. Again, praying that you may have strength to escape all the things that are about to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Now the term son of man speaks of the Messiah there. Again, we're to be alert. When we go through this life, we, we are to recognize this is a war zone. Life isn't just a cupcake. It isn't always great, is it? It is hard. It is depressing. 
When you look around and you see the way the world is living and, and, and then you can praise God in this sense. God, thank you that you snatched me out of this mire. But Lord, there is more that need to be saved. We need to be awake. We need to be attentive. Acts 2.42, the birth of the early church. People say, well, I don't want to be like that early church. This is it. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's what we're doing. The teaching of God's word to the fellowship together. The breaking of bread. That's communion. We did that last week. And to prayer. You know a sign of a healthy church? A sign that you're maturing and being healthy is before you leave this place, you turn to somebody and say, how can I pray for you? Or just lay a hand upon them and pray for them. It's not running out, running away, avoiding. It's confronting the enemy in prayer. We confront God. We resist the devil. We, we run into the presence of God. We cry out to him, loud cries, sometimes, sometimes again silent cries. But we go to him and we pray for one another. You know what? I'll let you know a secret. I need prayer. I covet your prayer. And you need my prayer. And one another's prayer. And this is a weapon. You'll either pick up those weapons, you'll use it for the glory of God, or you'll lay down for the enemy. And please don't do that. Please don't do that. So again, that early church, they were praying. They were praying with one another. They were living a life of prayer. In 1 Thessalonians 5.17, it says, pray without ceasing. We talked about this before. How do I pray without ceasing? It's going through life with an attitude of prayer. Again, 2 Timothy 1.3, look on the screen, it says, And I thank God, whom I serve with a clear conscience, the way my forefathers did, and I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day. Anyone ever have a hard time sleeping at nighttime? Am I the only weird one here? Come on. You know, he just, last night it was like 3.30 in the morning. And Lord, I, could I just sleep another hour? I like to get up early, but, but can I sleep another hour? And I'm, I'm trying to roll over and it's like, I felt a nudge. And I didn't really feel a nudge, but a spiritual nudge. And if you've been nudged by the Lord, you know what I mean. It's time to get up. It's time to meet with me. You go to the restroom in the middle of the night. On the way there in the back, you're praying for your wife, praying for your kids, praying for the church. It's going through life with that attitude. To, to pray at all times obviously doesn't mean to pray in some formal way, some noticeable way that everyone's going to walk by and, and see us. Jesus didn't do that. The apostles didn't do that. No. Certainly it doesn't mean to devote ourselves to ritualistic patterns. And those are, are involved in those. We've got to pray a certain way and then God will answer. All you need to do is boldly go to the throne of grace. And he hears your prayer. And that heart is pure and right. He will answer it. 
So ritualistic patterns or forms of prayer, you can use them and God will still hear because he's a God that hears. But it's that simplicity of just saying, Abba, Father, calling to him personally. And he speaks to you. Notice Matthew 6, 7. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do and suppose that they will be heard for many words. <laughs> no, no, but, but pray at all times. Well, that means to live in a continue God consciousness aware. God is with you wherever you go. He's with you. He's wanting to hear from you. You don't need to pray aloud. You can pray quietly. You can pray in your mind. But that is the most powerful thing that you can do as you walk through this life. You walk and talk with the Lord. We walk and talk with Him about everything that we see and in everything that we experience. It's living with this deep awareness that God is with you. Now, look, God is waiting for you and me to come boldly to that throne of grace to hear from Him and to answer those requests that we have. If you don't have the prayer life that you think you should have, God, give me a hunger for prayer. Give me the patience to sit and wait before you. Cause my heart to grieve over the things that your heart grieves. Cause me to rejoice over those things that you rejoice over, Lord. I want to have that union with you. I want that assurance. And I'll guarantee he will. So to pray at all times, it's constantly setting our mind on the, on the things above and not on the things on the earth. Nothing is too difficult for our God. Matthew 26, 41 says this, Keep watching and praying that you'll not enter into temptation. The Spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, look at that. Keep watching praying that you will not enter into temptation. Anyone ever just open the door to temptation? Well, I, I know, I don't want to embarrass you. What do you do? It says keep watching. Keep praying that you will not a gal I, I knew, she, she wanted to quit smoking. Any smokers here that want to quit? Let me give you the key. We asked her one time, well, how did you quit? She said, well, you guys prayed for me, but then I prayed 100,000 times a day. No, I don't think you could pray 100,000 times a day. But she said, I was constantly praying, and God took that desire away from her without any drugs, without anything else. There was a dependence upon God. Are you dependent upon God for your marriage, for your job, for your finances? It's real easy to trust Him for our salvation, but do we trust Him for all the things around us? Do we really bring it to Him? That's what He'd have us do. Because He's concerned about everything in your life and my life. How are we to pray? We're to pray in the Spirit. 
Boy, this divides the crowd so often when you talk about that. But when we talked about uh, this idea of praying, I don't believe it's speaking in tongues. I believe a person speaks in tongues. They can pray in tongues, and, and that's fine. But I don't believe that's the context of this passage. In the Bible, it talks about praying in the Spirit. It, it talks about in 1 Corinthians 14 and, and Jude 1.20 and here. But when we looked at Ephesians 5.18, if you remember, that was important that we were to be filled with the Spirit. And when we look at it in detail, being filled with the Spirit is really under the control of the Spirit. It's a surrendered life where the Spirit leads you and guides you in the way that you walk, the way you pray, the places you go. See, that's the key. That's where he wants to bring you and me to that place of being led by him. That when you and I pray, that he is leading us in prayer. We might pray for some place around the world. You don't even know what it is. Some country, and you don't even know what it is. Yet God knows. It may be an individual. It may be a circumstance. It may be a church. You don't know what's going on. But you're being led by the Spirit. It's not just a bullet list. That's an aspect of prayer. But it's really being led by him. And that involves in waiting upon the Lord. And let him speak. And speak through you as he fills your mind with these things. So it, it, it means his leading. It, it means also praying in his power. Because there's power in the prayer. I don't fully understand that. Other than it's the Lord's power. But it's meant to be interactive. Prayer is the the ingredient in being strong and alert that is my eyes are upon the Lord continually, then it's easier to resist those temptations because I'm resisting the devil. And I'm focused upon the Lord. Prayer is spiritual warfare. It's really against Satan and his demonic enemies, but it's also really the battle of my own flesh, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh. The pride of life. Every one of us struggle in those areas. And if you don't think you do, you're deceiving yourself. And you've given the enemy a foothold. And there's self-confidence in yourself. And not the need of the Lord. Look with me in verse 18. We see another, another thing. The manner of prayer is to be alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Again, we mentioned, again, that, that importance in Matthew 26, 41. It was to watch and pray. But in Matthew 18, 3, notice what it says. And, and he said, truly, I say to you, unless you be converted and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. You ever been with a little child when they pray? There are no more precious prayers in this world than that of a child. But to sit with a child, they pray spontaneously. They pray from their heart. They pray fervently. They pray for their mommy. They pray for their daddy. They pray for their meal. They pray for Christmas presents. But they pray with all sincerity. Prayer is simple. God knows your needs. Peter walking on the water, you know the story. He went down for the count. Lord, save me. Sometimes that's all a prayer is. Different elements. But I believe later on Peter was saying, Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you. 
even though we don't have it in the scripture. Colossians 4.2 says this, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with the attitude of thanksgiving. I love that word devote. It means continually devoting yourself or, or steadfast and constant, persevering in, in prayer. You know that. You've prayed for someone physically that's gone in the hospital. Each one of us have had someone there and you just, you're, you're laboring. Jesus labored in the garden before going to the cross. That labor was like he sweat like drops of blood. Prayer isn't just kind of, Lord, this, 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 and on. You need to seek him. You need to knock. You need to continue to ask. Luke eleven nine says, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened. Well, to, to pray in the right matter also involves praying specifically. Lord, here it is. Here's my need. Here's my concern. Maybe it's a loved one that you want to see saved. Pray and hang on and not let go. Let me speak boldly for a second. Some people may disagree with me on this, but I believe that if you pray for your loved one all of your life, all of your life, you persevere and you hang on to them and you never stop praying that you'll see that person in heaven. See, I believe that God has promised, as the scripture says, God's promised that if you ask anything according to his will, it'll be done and God wishes none would perish. But, if your heart is not right and that person is not going to receive the Lord, I also have found that God changes the heart of that person where they have a certain peace and say, you know what? Even though I want to see him saved, they don't want to be saved. And they quit praying. Scripture makes it clear, and I won't go into it today, that there, there's some things we just don't pray for. The Bible makes it clear. But I believe that if you pray, I can give the assurance there's so many that you will see them in heaven, even if you don't see it on this side of eternity, maybe on that deathbed. Maybe a person's had a stroke and they can't communicate. They can communicate with God. I've been in those places. I've seen those last moment conversions. And sadly, I see more of those than the others anytime. John 14, 13 says this, whatever you ask in my name, that, that will I do so that the Father may be glorified. See, so when we're praying, we're praying for God's glory, God's will, it's a done deal. What's happening? Are we, notice I include myself in there, not praying as we should pray? That's really the question. Where are we in our prayer life? Most Christians only get serious when there's someone close to them, only when a problem arises Things are going good and they're just going on. And if they're going on like that, things aren't good because temptation is knocking at their door. Well, notice the objects of prayer. Again, this is what we're talking about elsewhere. Paul commands us to, to pray for unbelievers, but here, and even government leaders and, and others, but the focus here is the saints. 
Are there any saints here today? Here's a clue. That's every one of us here that have received and trusted in Jesus Christ. You're a saint set apart for God. Pray for the saints. Pray for the Christian believers. There's a spiritual battle. There's a war going on. We need to be praying. If God puts someone on your heart, pray for them. 1 Corinthians 12, 26 says, If one member suffers and all the members suffer with it, if one member is honored, all the members rejoice in it. And then in 1 Samuel 12, 23, it says, Moreover, as for me, far be it for me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you, but I will instruct you in the good and the right way. Don't hold your hands up, but I'm going to ask a question. How many pray for martyred Christians around the world every day? Our hearts should grieve and feel the pain for them and other countries, and we should be praying. They're enduring, even for you and me, for the faith, and there are many before us. But I, I don't feel that leading. Then ask God, God, I just... Do I have a hard heart? Be honest with them. He already knows. Is my heart hardened? Make my heart sensitive that I know how to pray, that I be led by you. If you're not the place you think you should be, ask God and keep praying. Persevere and hang on. And I promise you, he will give you the desire of your heart. But he wants us to persevere. He wants us to continue. He wants us to realize, do we really want it or we don't want it? A spiritually healthy person is one who's devoted really to the welfare of others. It's important to understand they're devoted to the welfare of others. They're, they're praying for them. Especially in this context of fellow believers. But there's another side there are those that struggle psychologically and spiritual sickness, they say, have a, a preoccupation with self. But when I begin to pray for others, I begin not thinking so much about myself. So the selfish and self-centered person always ends up isolating themselves from others, not connecting Suffering the consequences. Out of sight, out of mind. People aren't praying for them. Just turning in to themselves. Well, there's, again, in verse 19, and we see, and pray on my behalf, and the utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth, and make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel, for which I am ambassador in chains, and the proclaiming that I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. I love this prayer, because number one, did you notice, Paul, though he's asking for prayer, it's not about his individual needs. You know, Paul, when he writes this prayer, he's in chains. Can you imagine what his wrists are like? Sores, worn out, agony, no real freedom. Yes, he can preach the gospel. Other believers are making those needs which are, are, are wonderful and all, but, but these things 
He's not asking to take away these things from me. He's asking for a boldness to to share this mystery. He's other-centered. There's an area in all of our lives that we need to, to give over to him, to trust him, that we're not trusting him in. We need to pray. Lord, whatever I'm going through in this life, this is, this is minor. In light of the glorious gospel and people coming into the kingdom of Christ, give me the boldness, he says. And that we individually pray, Lord, give me the boldness, give me the opportunity that I might see people come into the kingdom of God. See them snatched out of the mire just as I have been snatched out of that mire. His concern was, again, that mystery of the gospel. He was an ambassador, a representative. Every one of us are ambassadors for Christ. We saw that when we were in Corinthians. We are representing the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And we get to. That's the amazing thing. We get to. Paul knew in confronting the enemy face to face that there was no way he could do it on his own power. He needed prayer. He needed his arms held up. He needed supernaturally the power of God. So it doesn't matter how gifted, it doesn't matter how courageous a person is, it matters the Spirit of God empowering that person. That person is helpless, dependent upon God and say, God, move through me. Remove from my life whatever is going to hinder me from being used. And Paul's praying that. Paul's purpose and motive was selfless. It was all about furthering the gospel, the kingdom. To encourage the believers to glorify God. Even in prison, it was important for Paul that he would make known the boldness of the mystery of the gospel. Follow with me as we look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. It'll go on the screen. Now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. So that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else. And that most of the brethren trusting the Lord because of my imprisonment have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. He's in prison. He's in really a house arrest. They're chained. He's chained to, again, a guard daily. And people are getting saved all through Nero's servants, soldiers. The influence that you and I can have around us when we begin to pray, when we begin to trust in the Lord, when we begin to realize what we have in Christ, when we begin to realize that we all have a calling, we're all ambassadors, we're all called to go and make disciples. Well, look with me in verse 21 in Ephesians chapter 6, our text, but that you also may know about my circumstances, how I am doing. Antichicus my beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord will make everything known to you. And I have sent him to you for this very purpose, so that you may know about us and that he may comfort your hearts. Paul was concerned about others. That's the hardest thing for us, to really be concerned about others. 
How do you know whether you're concerned or not about others? When you ask a person, how are you doing as you're walking by them and you keep walking? If you really ask them and you really are concerned about them, you want to sit down and you want to look them eye to eye. You may find that you're being led in prayer to pray for them, to encourage them. God might give you a, a scripture, an exhortation, or just one of comfort. Paul cared for God first, and he cared for others. The commandments are summarized for us. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second one is love your neighbor as yourself. That means I have to get out of the way of myself so I can minister to others. Well, again, in verse 23, we see the benediction. Peace be to the brethren in love with faith from, notice where it comes from, from God the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all of those who love the Lord Jesus Christ. With this incorruptible love. This is so sweet because it's a benediction, it's an ending, and Peace, love, grace, oftentimes you'll find grace and mercy sometimes in, in these endings. That they all come from God. You and I can pronounce a benediction, a blessing upon someone because you know it's God's will. And this is what, what he wants to do is encourage them. He, he wants to see God move upon their life, empower them. He wants to see them just trusting in the Lord. Let me share one last illustration and one scripture to pull it together. And this is not me in the story, but it, it starts that way and I didn't change it. it. This man describes it as, I once visited a home in Chicago where for the purpose of exercise, they had electric horse. And as the horseman of long experience in my youth, I was asked to ride this electric horse and I got up and I pressed the button and presto, I'm galloping as a fine imitation of a gallop of a horse. But it was only an imitation after all. For when I pressed the button, the galloping stopped. I got off exactly where I got on. I had not been anywhere at all. That's exactly like prayer for so many. Purely exercise not to get things from prayer and hearing or prayer and answering God it has to be something heartfelt it has to be wanting to hear and meet with God final scripture 1 Chronicles 16.11 says this seek the Lord and his strength and seek his face continually.